You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. She's standing and staring tonight. Her two black pearls are looking back at her. The mirror is hers tonight, not her mother's. All the voices telling her to get out the way, step to the side. Gone now. The pretty black knight bows to her black genius. All her wings, all her wings are out now. Levitation, levitation. Black-eyed Susans, black-eyed Shakira. Gone, black girl. Levitate. Black girl jingas, fronting like they don't see us. We shine bright, never dim my lights. We shine bright, never dim my lights. We shine bright, never dim my lights. Welcome back to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter. And once again, we're back with some wonderful, 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 exciting news and updates and a really great interview that I'm very excited about. But first, I would like to bring in our co-host for the show. So what's up, Brittany? What up, Doe Pipe? How are you? How was your week? Great, great, great. Thank you so much. And Jaira? Hey, everyone. Okay. Deja, how you doing? You there, Deja? Okay, Deja needs a minute. And then we'll bring in... Oh, you there, Deja? Yeah, I didn't realize I was on mute. I'm so sorry. I'm good. Oh, how okay. are you guys? Oh, good, good, good. What's up, Deja? Yeah. What up, what up? And then our illustrious guest, Dr. Ruth Nicole Brown. Welcome, Dr. Brown. I, too, have to get off mute. Hi, everybody. So good to be here with you all. Thanks for having me. So um, thanks for being here. Yeah, before we get into your full bio, I definitely just want to let folks know that if you are listening, just um, Google Dr. Ruth Nicole Brown, you will find all types of wonderful information on her. And we're going to get into her really exciting story and, um, and updates because I'm very excited about uh, all the work that she's doing. And I'm excited for her to share with us. So with that, I definitely just want to start with what's going on with everyone this week. So why don't we start with you, Dr. Brown? How was how has your week been like this past week? Hmm. Uh, this past week has been um, exhilarating, full. I am doing well. The family is good. I'm a mom of four and, and they keep me busy. Um, so we've been doing the online school thing was last week as it always is. But because the weather was breaking, um, we were able to go for a walk. And, and my, my daughter who's five was like, the sky is purple. Uh, she's like, maybe it's purple lasers. And so that was fun. Um, and then my colleague here at Michigan State uh, Dr. Christy Dotson told me that purple is uh, the first color of spring. So um, yeah, that's where I am thinking about purple lasers in the sky and what's blooming. Beauty. All right. Yep. What about you, Deja? How's your week been? 
Uh, my week has been pretty good. I'm looking for a new job and I got accepted to one already. I'm just not sure if I'm going to take it because they don't have benefits and I need benefits. I'm getting old. <laughs> Aren't you a Gen Z? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about to be 25 in like a month and a half and oh. I can't be on my mom's stuff anymore. I got to grow up. So I got to find a good, a real good job. Okay, we got. I can until I can become, you know, my own brand and not have to be employed by anyone. I got to. This is how I got to do it. Okay, so that's going in the universe, right? Yep. Yes. <laughs> All right. And what about you, Brittany? What's your week been like uh, with the uh, this, the Negro specialty pizza? <laughs> it's been good. Um, like twice a week I try to like go in the area that like a Kibalon village is in and like just introduce myself to all the other businesses and it's just crazy that like the east side is so kind of quiet when it comes to like talking and advertising themselves but they're like so many black-owned businesses on Harper alone it just be like wow walking in and like being like humble by it like of course like beauty shops barbershops like three or four black owned car washes, tax revenue places, like an upholstery shop, like all these different businesses like that have been there for like years and years. You know what I mean? So it's been going good. Um, I think it's important that I rely on the community to eat, eat the pizza and like the pizza because, you know, with the social media thing, how I feel about it, I want to I want to be more word of mouth. And um, it's, it's been going OK, you know. But I know it'll be going better when I see more people from the community and them coming, you know, reoccurring. You know what I mean? So, but uh, it's been going well. Okay, that's what's up. Um, man, that's a good week. You know what I'm going to do? Since uh, since we're talking about the week, uh, I just want to share for y'all what this next week is going to be like, you know, uh, astrologically. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just, I'll just do the astrology report um, and knock that out. So um, we're about to be in a new month, right? We're in a new month coming up in a couple hours. Uh, and so we're in, including a new week, we're in this new month. And so we know that a new month is going to bring us like a new vibration, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really exciting. And the stuff that y'all have shared, um, it inspired me to just share this because it, it's kind of like super in a line. Um, we know that like this month of March, we have no major planets in retrograde. Mm-hmm. And that's that's significant because we just came out of a bunch of different, you know, um, retrogrades and everything. So we only have uh, forward moving energy, right? Like all through the rest of the month. So that means that March is a really good time to get motivated. And um, we have a lot of support from the universe to um, get away from our past and to cross things off our um, to-do list. So, and whenever, you know, we have planets that have been in retrograde, you know, we know that that's always a time or, you know, where there's a need for reflection and pause, you know, and like to step back. And so this week is gonna be, you know, thinking about how can we activate these moments of joy and excitement right in order to feel encouraged and we want to take that leap of faith and push forward and so this week there's a lot of 
energy supporting us to speak our truth, um, ask for help, um, stating what we really want. Um, This, this, this week um, is, is for us to activate, you know, our throat chakras and speak whatever we want into existence to share our ideas, to share our feelings. Um, It's a perfect energy to write a book or uh, start journaling. And, you know, March has a lot of strength. And so Mars is the planet of action and motivation. And um, it's going to be active for us all through the month. So go ahead and affirm for yourself that it's safe to communicate your heart's desires and what you really want out of life and the world around us. So that's my astrology report for this week. Love to hear about the planets and where they are. Yeah, so, um, the, uh, I'm wondering, I mean, I was going to ask if any of that resonates for anyone. It sounds like it does a little bit. I don't know. What do you think, Dr. Ruth? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I was, uh, <laughs> yes, um, all of that. Uh did a nice sound bath meditation last night, um, focused on the throat chakra. So I didn't know that, but uh, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, because I have some things that I do need to say and will certainly uh, call on my guys this week to um, mm. to do that. Oh, wow. That's powerful. <laughs> we we got right. about that sound bath meditation. It was on YouTube. I just look them up on YouTube. I try to find a trusted person uh, that resonates. I use social media and this one um, that I found was, was sound good to me. So it was nice. Let me see if I can find it. So Deja, it sounds like this is your week. Definitely. I actually got the confirmation email from the job earlier today, but I also think we were just in a, didn't a full moon just happen or moon was yes. in Virgo or something. Yeah. I saw some someone on an astrologer page that I follow on Instagram also mentioned that now is the time for like new beginnings and releasing old patterns and Literally everything you just said, Piper. So yeah, I'm excited and I, I resonate with that. All right. What about you, Britt? Um, I I definitely find some ways where it resonates. Like I said, it's it's always cool to hear about where the planets are. And um, yeah, I always you know, I feel like uh, this year has been interesting already. But you know, I'm ready as well. Okay. And what about you, Jaira? You ready? Yeah. Yeah. It um I mean what you said is is very relatable to me as well because you know I have a lot going on as far as um what I want to do in my life and um have a lot of opportunities but yet have to make the right decision to not make it all go down in the wrong path. Oh man, so tell us about what's going on with you. No, I'm just in a state where um, I want to do software engineering, but a lot of things are getting in the way of that and kind of just scared to make a big decision that might jeopardize my chances of getting into that career. Um, like, like, what, like what would jeopardize you getting into that? Uh, just taking a wrong turn that will deter me. So there were different. Um, you don't mean like step- smoking crack, do you? 
No. <laughs> no. Okay, that's good. Right, you can always get back. You can do whatever. Everybody wears like a million hats now. You don't have to feel discouraged. Even if you do go down a path that isn't what you expected it to be, you're brilliant. You can figure it out. Yeah, I understand. But it's just, it just, I have a set, um, something set in my head. Yeah, I have a vision for it. So, like, uh, so being a software engineer is just something that's like a dream for me. So, mm -hmm. I really want that dream to come to life. And I mean, things are lining up, but I just don't know which, I just don't know which road to take. It's either um, I had a decision whether to go to the Air Force or not, but um, I'm not sure if that's a good decision right now, or just go to school and. Um, do a bunch of internships or uh, entry-level jobs because I'm trying to find a new job as well. So, what what type of job are you trying to find, Jaira? Um, in software engineering, like an entry level. Like entry level. So that's a, so this is the time to like write that down and like put that in the universe. You right. know what I'm gonna tell you about the Air Force though. You already know <laughs> what I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, I would just keep it put put a pause right there. But I would say, you know, um, like software engineering, like that right now is like wide open, bro. Like everybody needs you. So that's so true. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs you. So that's a good thing. It's not like you know, refrigerator repair, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Jari, you're you're in a really cool place. Like, I think instead of looking at it like you don't know which way to go, look at it as like you have several different ways you can go. Like you're like Deja said, you're super talented. Like, you know what I mean? You're super talented, so you have the leverage in the situation. Like when you have several gifts, like you have to embrace them. You know what I mean? And like Deja said too, like don't. I'm not saying don't think. I'm not saying don't have a plan or be strategic but you also have options, you know? So be happy about that. Like, enjoy that. Don't be cocky or arrogant about it, but definitely embrace it more. Like, I'm not everybody, you're, you're, you're not everybody has all that. Yeah, you're, you're learning. You got plenty of life ahead of you. Do what, follow your, you know, follow yourself. Hey. Yeah. You can never let you down, for sure. <laughs> Look mm. at these stages. <laughs> <laughs> You see what I'm surrounded by, Dr. Ruth? Yeah, I love it. Yes, I do love it. And I, you know, remember when, and I think back like, I mean, at 25, man, you know, it's like, um, had so, so much vision, so much uh, uncertainty, but like, so glad that I stayed with what I knew that was true to me. Mm -hmm. and it has unfolded beautifully I mean mm. even you know it's like the it's like the ego tripping like even so I'm so hip even my errors are correct like even the wrong terms you know when I look back have led me to exactly where I'm supposed to be that's real yes I love that yeah it's so real like yeah you like Thank it's you. like see, like you can have like different routes like they're different routes but you're it's like you're gonna go to the same place. It's, you have to automatically believe like she just said like your destiny is already fate it's already been cemented 
how you get there is just how you get there. You know what I mean? You have to be vulnerable with that. That's okay. Mm. How you feel, Jaira? All this love. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> it's very, um, it's very like good to hear all of the different opinions that you ladies have to say. And it helps because um, I've been talking to a lot of people about it, just trying to make sure I right, make the right decision. Um, due to my past, I've made a lot of spontaneous decisions that, um, you know, wouldn't have made me been in the situation I'm in now that much, but I kind of don't regret it because I know more information just from making that mistake. So right. I, I tried to just... <laughs> I try to just be more cautious and um, uh, more specific in a way with what I decide on doing, so that I don't make a this so I don't make the wrong mistake like I did last time. That's understandable. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. But don't go in the Air Force. <laughs> okay. We need you on our. We need you on the side of the Jedi. <laughs> That's all. Whatever you do. <laughs> no, it was just a decision. It, was, it wasn't saying I was going to go. It was just like an option. Okay. Cross that one off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stay home. <laughs> yeah, silly. No, but, um, but thank you, Jared. Thanks for being vulnerable and sharing yourself. You know, that's what's up. We appreciate you. Anytime. Yeah. So, um, what you got, um, Deja? Well, you know what? Let's save yours because yours kind of juicy. <laughs> what, what you well, just a few things, but I don't know much about it. But did you guys see that Facebook was coming up with a um, site called Bars for Rappers? Hell no. No. Y'all got to Google that real quick, please. I know I'm not tripping. Facebook. Let's see. What is it? Is it like rap genius? Or, well, uh, it like will let you, it's like TikTok for rappers. Like basically people putting themselves on like like on their rapping. And then I think you can put your lyrics next to it too. And then it tells like the people like your name, who's rapping. And then if it's a beat, it also drops the tag of the, the producer of the beat that they was rapping over. Mm. Yeah. It's called bars, capital, all capital letters. And uh, about a day ago, it started kind of catching on, catching on online. So I think that's interesting because we last week were talking about Facebook was going to go away. So I think it eventually the original version of Facebook will probably go away. Probably, I would say probably in the next two years. But it's interesting that with like Clubhouse and TikTok, it's just interesting to see Facebook try to evolve itself. And I wonder what this will do. Like, I wonder if people think this is corny or not. You know, like, is this be <laughs> you know, people <laughs> think <it's> corny, <laughs> but you know, yeah. but, but you know, some of the corny stuff is the stuff that blows up. That's true too. I mean, they taking, you know, they just making money off of it. Like I'm reading, you told me to go, it says where people can watch it and mark it as quote unquote fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, like it's somebody weird. else is getting, like, you're making free content. Like, artists are making free content for Facebook. Oh, like, that's not the way. Right. So old right. hip hop game. Woo, here we are, huh? Yeah. yeah, no, we pipping ourselves out. No. Yeah, we do definitely need to start protecting hip hop way more. Like, we are tripping. Like, you old heads even will say, like, even like old heads, like 80s rappers will say, like, oh, white people know more about the uh, culture and hip hop than we do. And it's kind of true. Like, we got to definitely educate these kids more, like, kind of force it down their throats of the history of hip hop. Because I don't know. It's kind of scary how they, they're like diluting it. It does seem like it's like a video game option, which for young younger people, this might be the way that they practice or learn or know what a cipher is. Oh, is it like karaoke? Yeah, that well, at least for my imagination, interpretation, reading this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what's <laughs> funny? There was this, there's this guy, I think I told y'all this story before, but I'm gonna tell you Dr. Brown. So about uh, maybe what was it? Maybe like 2015, 2014, like around like around thereabouts. There was yeah, about 2014. There was this uh young white kid, and actually, no, it was like 2013. And he hit me up and he uh was a young, young guy, like 25, and um he was like, Hey, you know, I was told to contact you to like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting this platform and it's for rappers. And basically, um, I think it was called like rap R A P T dot F M. Right. And so basically it was for like rappers to like upload or like people to upload themselves rapping, like mm-hmm. on this platform. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um he had gotten a, a hundred thousand dollars investment wow from uh dan gilbert because he had joined the uh the wisdom like the the part like the part where dan gilbert invests in uh companies and then he got like um it was like a three-year contract basically where you get uh a free place to live for like three years okay and so it's either you could you could either rent to own or you could just rent and then uh, or you know with the with the option you know you get the option to buy right mm-hmm. and so basically what it was was dan gilbert had invested in these different companies so he invested in his company and he could use any of dan gilbert's properties to like do these freestyle ciphers that he was organizing like in person okay and so um, basically he had like three years for the company to become like liquid or successful or whatever, make money. Mm-hmm. And so in that three years, he had, you know, a developer, like all the, all the investment perks, everything you need, you know, for your business. And what was so funny when he came to me, he wanted me to introduce him to all the different, you know, top MCs to come to his cipher, right? Yeah. Now he had some other people that had already agreed to like be down with him. Okay. And so it had this look like it was real, you know, legitimate. And plus he had the money. So he was able to pay 
a graphic designer and his logo and everything looked like you know the run dmc shirts yep yeah and so it looked super legit it looked like and then he had done like a couple of things he had dan gilbert behind him so he he was able to put uh you know partnership with mtv and stuff like that on there so people were like oh yeah but he wasn't paying anybody any money oh and so so he just wanted to like just build up this platform and everybody was like all about this platform and it was funny i took a few meetings with him and then i asked him like okay what do the artists get and he just kept talking to me about exposure and i was like bro it looks like it's not that much exposure like going on your socials you don't have that much exposure you don't have any more exposure than the artists do right and yeah okay i said i see this mtv this net net i said but i ain't seen nobody on mtv from your platform i didn't see mtv talking about your platform you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying so how does this work yeah it was just funny like the dude basically was trying to he took me to some nice fancy you know building it was trying to treat me to lunch and all this i said bro i'm not i'm from the industry like i ain't impressed by uh you know a nice meal like a nice meal (laughs) i'm like let's get to the business and it was just funny and he gave me that talk Mm. about um detroit rappers you know need an outlet and he's gonna be the outlet and nobody's investing in them he's the only one and this is their choice and blah 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 what is this say that again what's this cat's name oh man you want me to do that on a podcast (laughs) (laughs) i guess i I uh eric torkenberg and so he yeah and uh it's so funny because like he kept telling me oh you know um how just trying to you know oh this how the artists win blah blah i said bro you don't have no money like you don't even have like a hundred dollars like gas money you know right. what I'm saying? Like a meal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like exactly. you asking them to go out of their way for your platform. Yeah. And he just was talking to me about these benefits. And I was like, I really don't see the benefits for the artists. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's just it's just interesting. So I see that and that was what 20, 2013. So it's it sounds exactly like this bars thing. Uh-huh. You see, and it, it was people uploading. And when you went on to the, so the ads and all the social media showed, you know, the marketing showed, like he was in these buildings and he had these Detroit rappers that are well-known, like in these ciphers and they had all the, the ciphers were full because of course, if you say something is for MTV, everybody's showing up. Right. And, but then when you went on to the actual platform, it was all these like, 11 and 12 year old white kids calling each other the B word and the N word and all that raps. <laughs> like, no. I was like, what on earth is this? They were in their bedroom just like uploading all these freestyles, you know, and all these raps and stuff. And they were terrible. It was just like, wow. So, anyway, I just told that long, drawn out story to say, like, that's what that platform kind of reminds me of that, that kind of, you know, that. <laughs> yeah vulture content vulture yeah so i don't know what um Brittany. what so do you have to uh pay or is it free or what is it it seems like it's free you know i just to be honest with you wasn't the core of what i 
wanted to talk about, but I saw it and with all of us being music heads, wanted to just bring it up. Um, taking a look through it and like I said, I think it's free. So and honestly, it's to be it's to be in competition with TikTok. They keep mentioning TikTok throughout this whole article. Uh, um, so yeah. It well, Facebook owns Instagram, but I guess they do their own little something for Facebook too. Yeah, probably so. I mean, and that's to me, that's a real it's it's pretty intricate. It's not like they're it's not a massive idea. Like it's kind of like zoned in to rappers. The fact that it's called bars, like that's to me kind of <laughs> you know, like that's that's interesting, right? Usually they do things that's really encompassing, you know, community, which this is a community, but it's real, you know, it's about rap. That's which is which is wild to me. So man. Um, rappers, what do the rappers on there look like? Well, I see <laughs> I don't know. No disrespect to the rapper Nav. Like he's this guy that like <laughs> Deja, do you know who that is? Kinda. He's like this Indian rapper, but yeah. like everyone likes him, you know. But this guy that's on the marketing for this bars is like a well, he he's not necessarily Indian. He looks like he could also be uh of Hispanic descent as well, but he doesn't look like who I would put on the poster for being a rapper. I'll just say that. But uh, we'll see. Wow, Facebook. Do I guess you think that was their diversity and inclusion team in one night? <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me at all. <laughs> um, but really quickly, in other news, uh, the WNBA doesn't have like an updated schedule. Uh, a lot of things have been going on. Like, like last year, I think I told you guys they did a bubble similar to the NBA and it was very, very successful. Um, the women played very well. Uh, they had, they'd had no COVID cases, just like the NBA bubble. Um, and it was, you know, just in general, good basketball, but while they were in the bubble, um, there was a lot of things going on with them leading the way with, you know, social justice activism. They got a lot of spotlight, spotlight over the summer, uh, during the protest and, um, you know, a lot of different things, a lot of different players were vocal. Uh, however, their old owner, um, who is a, a senator, I don't know if you guys heard, she made some comments that the team didn't agree with and uh, made a lot of like headlining news. And her name is uh, Kelly Lofler. Um, And basically the team used their power um, to um, vote in the new senator like they did a lot a lot of activism around like voter registration um, they wore a lot of t-shirts you know the you know the NBA players you know were wearing the you know different slogans on the back of their jerseys and then the Atlanta dream kind of led the way with the WNBA of uh, you know the uh, Atlanta Senate and so they were with their help you know they had a huge contribution to you know the good things that went on politically in Atlanta and so the other thing that they were able to also do were to get the Atlanta Dreams uh, board to get the lady Kelly Lothier off, you know, from owning the team. So just this week, it was announced that they got new ownership. Their situation was similar. Do you guys remember what, what happened to the to the Clippers, how their their owner was caught saying all those like racist comments like a few years ago? Wait, what? OK, like you don't the story where like the guy is like talking to the owner is like this 80 year old white guy right 
And he's like on this voice recording talking to his like 25 year old, like half Asian girlfriend. Yeah, and it's yeah. telling, oh yeah. And yeah. he's like calling Magic Johnson, like the N word, like really just like going in on Magic Johnson and like him having AIDS, like just all kind of racist things. And then of course, like when the NBA got a hold of it, like the Clippers, you know, said they wouldn't play unless like he, you know, was removed from ownership. And then his wife ended up, ex-wife ended up owning the team. So similar to that situation, the Atlanta Dream uh, not only um, were able to get new ownership, but they were able to help, you know, bring in new uh, players politically down in Atlanta. So I thought that's huge for the WNBA along with them, you know, kind of raising their price cap a little bit. Um, Nothing much like Candace Parker just got traded to Chicago uh, where she's from, from L.A. Sparks. She's been playing with the L.A. Sparks since 08. And uh, her salary is 215000 I think, with that deal, which is kind of like what uh, like a third round rookie would make in the NBA, uh, probably more than that. You know, so there's still a lot of work to do uh, with that. And I think it starts with us, me, even as a former athlete, just watching women's basketball and supporting it more. Um, moving to the NBA, um, a lot of great basketball going on right now in the NBA. A lot of a lot of trades. Uh, it's back kind of like balance between the East Eastern Conference and the Western Conference with uh, Kyrie, KD, and J- uh, James Harden playing for the Brooklyn Nets, which is funny because the Brooklyn Nets are better than the Knicks, which who would have thought of that? And uh, then you have the Lakers who are still playing really strong. And uh, then you have the Ball Brothers that are playing extremely well. One place for on the East and one place on the West. One place for Charlotte, one place for New Orleans. Um, and with that being said, we're talking about Atlanta. The All-Star Weekend is in Atlanta this upcoming weekend, uh, which is kind of controversial just because COVID is still here. But as you guys know, Atlanta, Miami, and Vegas are the spots where when people want to get away right now during COVID, that's where everyone's flying to. And so the NBA having it there is weird, but we all understand capitalism. Um, And they're asking the citizens of Atlanta and people not to fly into Atlanta to be a part of the festivities that will be going on around it, which is like not going to happen because people are still flying to Atlanta now and there's not even an all-star game going on. So uh, all my uh, social people out there, if you plan on going to Atlanta, please be careful. Please be safe. Use your brain. Uh keep it pg-13 at least for covid and uh that's all i have i mean that was so much i wonder um dr brown did you have any reactions to any of those uh reports that Brittany gave uh no not really um i'm like i haven't i haven't followed basketball in <laughs> minute but uh yes always to the WNBA I mean I just started thinking about the games that I used to go to and I got kind of got lost in those memories uh such a such uh events and yeah they need to be paid more that's what I'm mm-hmm. talking about I know right you're you are you from Chicago or you were just were in Chicago uh for for work I can't remember that part so I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago. I, okay. I was born in Chicago Heights. I grew up in Park Forest, Illinois. But I like to uh, let folks know that my people migrated uh, in the 40s from Kentucky to Chicago Heights. Um, and so the steel uh, factories uh, drew my family there. Um, so yeah, we, we 
that's where we uh both sides of my family migrated from Kentucky right to Chicago Heights and we still there. Nice. That's beautiful. I'm like, wow, yeah. So I remember we talked a little bit, like, I don't know, it was some months ago now when the women were uh what what did they receive? They received some award or, or something, remember? I believe I can't really remember the award. Yeah, I don't remember what award it was. I remember they received an award for their uh, contribution like to the voter uh, registration efforts and all that. So that's what's up. You know, shouts out to the WNBA. Um, when, okay, so where can we check, you know, their games and when does it start? In all honesty, they haven't released their schedule yet. They're still trying to figure out uh, things per COVID, right? So they don't know if they're going to do another bubble or if they're going to have the means to do what the NBA is doing, which is just going back to normal in so many words. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're just trying to figure it out, which is interesting. Their season usually starts in June, um, but I'm guessing it may start probably, if not around the same time, probably a little bit earlier. Okay, cool. All right, so keep us updated and we'll we'll do a better job of uh, keeping up with the ladies. And me as well. Yeah, that's what's up. So, um, Deja, tell us about your about what, what what you wanted to share. Well, um, news today said that um, I believe her name is Elisa Muhammad, um, Malcolm X's daughter, is opening an investigation into his assassination because there was a police officer um, that was, I believe. Let me go to the article just so I'm not guessing, but this officer was on his deathbed and he basically said that um, FBI and the police department, the New York police department conspired against Malcolm X and they had him killed. He said this on his deathbed, which Lisa and her family were already kind of thinking, or I'm sorry, Lisa Shabazz, I called her Muhammad earlier, Lisa Shabazz, um, she said that she feels like it was an assassination per what her family already believed. And she just wanted to open it again to further show how the government infiltrates black organizations and how they especially did during the civil rights movement. Um, So I thought that was interesting. I'm gonna keep my eyes on that because I'm interested in as well. it's crazy to me. Like that's what wild. was that movie that just came out? We just talked about it. Brittany. Yeah, Ju- the Messiah and the Judas Black Judas Judas. Judas. Yes. Like how even the Malcolm just... X one. Remember the Malcolm X one? Who killed Malcolm X? That's still on Netflix. Yeah. Did y'all see Man. that one? Did y'all see that one? I don't think so. Oh my god! It. It's a series. It's amazing. That's y'all homework. Okay. I think that's where I think that's you know how like the R. Kelly bust open uh because of the uh the 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 lifetime. I think I think because they had so much data, that's why they're able now. Because I mean there's been so much data over the years. It's like it's we it, I don't want to say it's weird, but it's like they could have been going after this years ago because they uh they they've been had this stuff i mean i guess maybe the maybe the smoking gun was just released right that's what i'm I think sure because this information isn't new 
And we all knew that he was. Yeah, it's not you know, new, but if anything, this is starting to get disrespectful. Like, how is the CIA? I'm so scared of the CIA and the FBI at this point. Like, yeah, it's been public information, but the fact that there are all these documentaries and we still ain't got no reparations. Man, we can get reparations alone off the, the freaking Black Panther story. That is wild to me. It's so disrespectful. Yeah, uh, it's, it's so much to say about that. I don't know. Like, do you have anything, Dr. Ruth? You there, Dr. Ruth? I'm here. I had to get my daughter was knocking on the door. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, mommy, where are you? Um, I'm here. So yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, I mean, what's not lost on me is uh, the daughter's search for justice uh, in the way that she sees it, um, in the way that we all understand it as Black folks uh, who, who've seen this several times over. Um, but I just, you know, I'm thinking about her and her... Um, the resolve that has to be there to be able to to continue this because we know what it is right I mean and and through the system at that so um yeah peace to her you know this is also um savior's day weekend if I'm correct I think so um yes yeah and right the February 21st date I mean here we are we, we it's like the palimpsest of of history um keeps going it's here again and it's ongoing um but for that daughter to do her best by her father is is what i don't want lost in you know in the iconicity of it all yes yeah i appreciate that perspective man that's so much like to have to just relive some of that you know or or even relearn relearn some of that right. but I think yep. it must also be pretty um like you said uh I, I don't want to say satisfactory mm. but there must be some level of like see I told y'all mm. <laughs> you mm. know mm. Um, I just I really hope that she does receive the like some fair level of justice you know I, I hope so too. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a whew, that's a that's a lot, man. Yeah. The age of Aquarius. The age of Aquarius. Bringing in all this truth mm -hmm. <laughs> with a sword. Yeah, right. <laughs> you feel me? It's real. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this has been great, you know. Um so Dr. Ruth, I want to get like into, into you, into your story, into what you're doing. Um, so just briefly, I know that you have, you know, shifted and you moved to Michigan, you have a new position now, but um, can you just give us an understanding of like your current position and what you do now? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um... Currently, I am the inaugural chairperson and professor of African-American and African studies at Michigan State University. And so what I do now is work uh, alongside 
Dr. Tamora Lomax, and who is also, she was hired at the same time as I was uh, to newly build uh, the department um, alongside Dr. Christy Dotson, who's our executive advisor, and Dr. April Baker Bell. And we are Triple uh, AS, is what we call it. And it was a program that is now since transitioned into a department. So we are building, we are building this thing, um, doing the dream and working together. That's what I'm up to these days. Wow. That's, that's so cool. That's <laughs> Oh my God! Thank you. I can say so much about how much that's needed at Michigan State, but I want to keep it centered on. Uh, <laughs> I want to keep it centered on your story. Tell uh, me what you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talking. Yeah, I mean, I, my goodness, like my my stepdaughter is there. Mm. She's a what is she a sophomore, mm. and um, I know she loves it. Mm. You know? And I just appreciate that there's people like you mm-hmm. and your department and all those people that are working on this yes. that are actively and intentionally doing this work. Like this mm-hmm. is so needed. And Age of Aquarius, shouts out to the Age of Aquarius. <laughs> this is beautiful. I'm writing that down. Thank you. I look forward to meeting her. Send her my way sometime soon. Oh yeah. And um, so... So thank you for having us understand what your position is and mm-hmm. um, and then help us understand, you know, the position that you came from. Mm-hmm. So I was an associate professor of gender and women's studies and education policy, education and leadership um, at the University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana for the last 15 years uh, before I came here. Uh, And that's the position that I held. I always say that, you know, my life's work is the work of Soul Hot, saving our lives here, our truths. And Soul Hot is uh, what I created in 2006. And we say to celebrate Black girlhood and all of our complexity. And that's my life's work. Uh, That Soul Hot motivated me in so many ways to seek this current position. because of the work we were doing. And then just from being in regular conversation with black girls. Um, and so that that's not necessarily like a position, but it is my life's work. Okay. And so now your, uh, what I would say your trajectory mm-hmm. has led you, like you've written books. Mm-hmm. You, uh, like you said, you have a whole, other part of yourself where you're creating, co-creating mm-hmm. uh, music with other women. And, yeah. and you also hold this academic space. And yep. um, before we go into that other stuff, I want to understand how did you, like what, 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 what led you on your path to find this space where, where you have been occupying? Like, oh, I could be a hip hop scholar. I can like, mm-hmm. how, how did you get there? Oh my goodness. So many things had to happen. Piper, I, I mean, right. We would have met before this for me to, to be here. Um, so many things, so many influence, so many motivations. Um, I can go back to Chicago Heights. I mean, where I'm from that place grew me and, uh, 
we talk about, like I grew up in the black community, black Chicago Heights is a real thing with a vibrant social life. And I grew up in the black Baptist church um, and which necessarily meant for me that among many things, I saw black women creating community uh, from a very young age and have always been a part of it. And I knew then that like I had power to create, to bring people together. Cause I saw black women do that on the daily. Uh, the black women in my family, uh, <laughs> I talk about that migration from Kentucky to uh, Chicago Heights because it's really important to me. Uh, the name before that was Carrie and Carrie girls. Uh, I wrote an essay about it. I always say Carrie girls give differently. Um, and so their appreciation for the human um, I've, I've learned and carried with me. There are a lot of things um, that allow me to be who I am today. I, I'm also the last child. I'm the baby girl in my family and the first generation college student. So um, that meant, you know, my older brother and sister was not, it, I did not grow up in a house where I was expected to go to college. We, um, and so they did a lot of things so I could be able to be the one um, to go to college. And my mom, she reads more books than anybody I know. <laughs> And I think she enjoyed college. She always enjoyed every academic experience right alongside me. Um, and my dad, you know, worked the night shift. Um, I wrote this poem a long time ago um, about his sacrifice um, to be able to support my intellectual and academic dreams. So those are just, I mean, the earliest maybe influences, but there are so many more. Um, including, you know, the return to back to Michigan, because I went to grad school at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. And so I knew something about, you know, not necessarily Lansing, actually, this is my first time to Lansing, but um, certainly the connections made in Detroit, knowing you, the work that, you know, that I was able to be a part of when I was a graduate student also compelled a return that made it, you know, like, okay, I got to see what this is about because I know the power here. I know the brilliance here. I know the funk is here. So I'm always into that, you know. And Malcolm X is from Lansing. Yeah, yeah right? I mean, look, palimpsests. Yes, these things keep repeating <laughs> over and over. Like, I mean, it's not linear. I'm still thinking about, um, is it Jaira? Um, the question earlier. Um, on the call, did I mispronounce your name? I'm so sorry. How do you say it correctly? It's Jaira. Jaira. Okay, I was there. Yeah, like that question was so deep to me um, because it's not like a linear thing. You know, life life happens and life happens and life continues to happen. And then you you will be in places that you don't know why, but maybe history knows why, the universe knows why, you know. Um, so yeah, all of that's connected. And you know what's interesting? When I met you, um, we had, well, you were presenting um, at, I'm trying to think of the name of the conference, but it was the Hip Hop Scholars Conference. At, oh, in Chicago? Uh, Ohio State. Oh, at Ohio State. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's Dr. Elaine Richardson's Hip Hop Literacies. Yes. Dr. Mm -hmm. E. Mm-hmm. And um, we had, I brought the women there. That was the first time we, that we encountered you. But 
Mm. Before we actually met you, the reason we, well, we wanted to go to the conference anyway, but we were hyped up because before that, um, we had been introduced to your book. So mm. for us, we knew you as this author, you know, yeah. that we had read and we were studying and that we loved. And um, for me at that point, you literally opened me up um, mm. to this to this this world of like oh you could be you could like live your hip hop mm. like like for real as an adult <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not saying like this is the way to do it but you had show you had kind of shown me a path through just reading your book and just and I mean and, and at the time that we encountered your book it was it um was at that kind of turning moment where there were more people starting to have books because before that mm -hmm. we had bell hooks and mm -hmm. it was you know uh trisha rose and mm -hmm. it was just a few you know what i mean um mm -hmm. uh, and so when you when your book came you know it was like this kind of i don't want to say explosion because now there's like more of an explosion but yeah. I feel like you kind of ushered in the explosion, you know? Uh -huh. I mean? <laughs> Look, that's so major coming from you. Um, that is so major, Piper. Um, that book, Black Girlhood Celebration, was a labor of love. So I say in 2006, I was creating Soul Hot, Saving Our Lives, Hear Our Truths. And um, I wanted a space where black girls can enjoy the celebration. I mean, a lot of this grew out of my dissertation research and academic research. Um, and there was, there was not a lot of place that I, I did research on girl empowerment programs. And the thing that I, I learned was that in spaces where black, where all girls, where the goal was celebration and empowerment, the more black girls demonstrated the very measures of success by the program's own standards, like coming to voice, being a decision-making, demonstrating leadership. Black girls got in trouble for doing that. And I was like, mm -mm. and there, there ought to be a space where that's just not the case. And to the credit of those who were organizing that particular program, they said, well, fairly, you know, can you point me to something better? And this was 2006. It was not, honestly, a lot of things going out, going on that I, I could earnestly point to them and say, you know, take a look at this. So I was like, you know what? I know, a, I know some really dope women and we could do this thing. And we started in Champaign, uh, Urbana, right? We started right where we were. And I like just follow like dope artists dope black women and I I would like sell them on this dream like I would be like the revolution is going down and you want to be a part of it and we need you to be a part of it and they'd be like really what's this revolution and I was just like you know how much time do you have do you believe in young people you know what do you think about black girls and they was like yeah 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 okay and I said okay well it's going down at the boys and girls club and they was like what that's not where they thought the revolution was going to pop off on Friday but yet they came and the girls were already there I had been volunteering for you know there for a year before we did the thing officially known as Soul Hot but the young I mean the people that I was working with at the time I mean 
it was hip hop, like the rituals that we created. Uh, Soul Hot was something that we created together. And the rituals, we started with the Bati dance, which is just another form of a cipher always. Uh, we started with the game. Like there, it was, hip hop was a part of how we knew to express ourselves. Um, and then there's this story <laughs> that I always like to tell because it was defining in the start of Soul Hot where, uh, you know, one of the, I, I mispronounced a girl's name and she came back real quick and she was like, get it right, get it tight. And another of the volunteers, she was like, uh-uh, can't no girl be talking to you like that. <laughs> and I was just like, why not? I was like, it's her name, of course. Okay, but this is when I stopped listening to hip hop on the radio uh, <laughs> by that point. So I was like, get it right, get it tight you know, why she say it like that? I, I promise you right after that so high session, I get in the car. It's like, let me turn on the radio. Bubba Sparks. That's the song that plays right after I get in the car, I get it. And I was like, this is the lyric. That's what she told me. And so then it's like, all right, hip hop, here we go. Let's get into it. And that's, that's kind of how that book emerged. Wow. And I'm going to tell you that book for me, this is what drew me to it. I'm gonna be honest with you. Mm. So first, okay, I'll admit I wasn't. I wasn't like, what's the word? Like, I didn't find the book on my own. You know. Okay. <laughs> um, the we have two professors, Dr. Kelly, yeah. hey, Dr. Rebecca Farugia, that were part of our collective that were studying us. Yes. And they are hip hop scholars. Yes. And they brought us the book. Because we were like, oh, we want to, because we was reading like, you know, our, you know, the Bell Hooks, the Trisha Rose, you know. Yeah. And so they was like, oh, do you know about um, Dr. Ruth Nicole Brown? And I was like, no. And they were like, oh, my God, you got to know her. So I was like, OK. So she she um, gave me the book and then was like, um, you know, check this out. When I read the book, it reminded me of me. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I'm one of these girls. Like, mm -hmm. I, this is me. This is who, this is, I could relate to that. Mm -hmm. And especially the part about the, I was always that, I went to African-centered school. Mm -hmm. The African-centered school that I went to, uh, among African-centered schools, it was like a, a privileged school, honestly. <laughs> it was a private, private school. And so I was like, you know, from the hood, single parent, you know, that whole thing. And mm -hmm. so when I, when I, I was struggling a lot, you know what I'm saying? Like my, my thing was like, okay, you piss me off. I'm a punch in your face type thing. So I was just like that kid that had to be brought into the culture, if you yes. will. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, um, oh, okay, we do, you know, we do these healing circles here. We don't do all that punishment, throw you out, which I appreciate. Right. Yes. Uh -huh. But like the ways in which you were speaking about um, the child, like, like the issues that young black girls face and, mm -hmm. and how, and then like how they are treated mm -hmm. and then some like how they should be treated. Like yeah. for me, I was like, oh, like I totally had those experiences because when I went to public school later I was always getting in trouble I was always getting in trouble 
mm-hmm. and I was getting in trouble because I had been nurtured to right. be a black girl. Right. Yep. And yep. that's literally what I was in trouble for. Yeah. In, in hindsight. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just being super straightforward, transparent, and honest, mm-hmm. right? That would get you in in big trouble. And so when when I read about in your book, it just touched my soul to the oh. point where I was like, wow, somebody like, I'm glad somebody like sees us, but like the next generation of us, like I hope as many people as possible can have access to this because it's powerful. Mm. And it, I just think it was really powerful. Like, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, I, I think I had a moment where I cried because oh. it, it just touched me. Like it touched a place real deep where I was like, that's me. So getting a chance to meet you at the conference, like I was like, I mean, it was like really we by us having studied you and studied your book, it really just I can't really put into words what it felt like, but it felt like, you know, we was meeting Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> we were like, oh, my God, and we were so giddy. We were running around at conference like. Oh that's her, that's her, that's her. Oh it's my gosh. Oh, groupie-ish. But then we was trying to act like we weren't. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So by the time when we were like, okay, we want to invite you to our conference, we were yeah. trying to think of like, who should we bring? Who should we bring? And like all these, we had a list of all these names. And then we were like, we got to bring Dr. Brown. So, oh, uh, mm. and then you came and did our conference and it, you were amazing. And you brought all your people yeah (laughs) yep I was like wow and okay so tell us about your tribe my what yeah I I called it your tribe (laughs) oh okay yeah and first of all yeah thanks uh Rebecca and Kelly for handing that book to you I mean (laughs) I just want to say too with that that book I read you know, I remember the process of it. And like, for me, I mean, I guess I, I want to talk to the writers out there. Like I, I had to write that book. Like that was, that book came out of that kind of energy where I didn't ask anybody's permission. We was doing so hot and it was like, we were, we was doing the thing. Like it actually was a revolution. It was the eroticist power. It was, as Adrian Marie Brown might say, the emergent strategy. Like we were doing all these things. Like we were, it was amazing. And I was like, I have to write this down. I was literally writing Black Girlhood Celebration. We would do so hot on a Friday from, you know, three um, to six. And then because, you know, when the work is so good, you know, because you organize with people, Piper, you know this, like, after the after the thing you still talking about it you got a debrief you calling each other you texting each other like you know think you saw power move in ways that you didn't even know it was possible so then you like did you see that happen and then people are feeling like you know they send it poems um through emails because they just can't let it go and I couldn't either I had uh my daughter was born the same year as Soul High and so yeah, we would do all the debriefing. I would put her to bed. And as soon as she went to bed, I was writing Black Girlhood Celebration. I wrote Black Girlhood Celebration after her bedtime for at least a year. And it was just to try to write down like how exciting this work was. And it was possible 
because I knew at least I knew a few things. I knew hip hop, right? I knew about black girlhood, which was what I wanted to to honor was your exact experience. Like I don't want black girls getting in trouble because they black girls. Like my whole thing was after going through a PhD doctoral program as a political scientist, I know that sometimes the academic concept is extremely violent. And I did not want to think about black girlhood as a concept in service to anybody's academic disciplinary formation. My whole thing was so high with black girlhood celebration was like, nope, we, I mean, it's the black feminist, you know, we are inherently valuable thing. I want to understand, this is black girlhood unto itself. Um, how do we see each other? Uh, because I don't want you to miss it. And so that's, that's the, that's the kind of energy that, that, that book came out of. And then the tribe that is so hot is, I mean, there's been so many people responsible for making the space of Black girlhood celebration over the last 16 years. Um, it's a collective work. Uh, I knew it, it had to be because the goal was so much bigger than any one person. Um, and we did travel together to your amazing conference. Uh, I was in conversation with Aisha Durham, who, you know, is still one of my most favorite writers ever. And I actually saw her present at a conference in New York. And I was like, you know, I'm that kind of person where like, I was like, you are the most brilliant thinker I ever heard. Like I had to find her after the conference to tell her that. So I guess she was my Beyonce. <laughs> if you say like, um, you know, that's how you felt at Dr. E's conference. I felt that about Aisha. And then I was like, you know, we got to work together. And she's like, I'm at the University of Illinois. And I was like, that's exactly where I'm going to be in the fall. And Aisha um, was a part of Soul High's very first year. When we came to present at your conference, Piper, I mean, I also feel like time had passed. And so then after getting to know you, and then if you remember, I came back for the Allied Media Conference and it was like, I was chasing you. You was the Beyonce then. <laughs> and I love like, you know, how time works in that way again. We just constantly meeting and re-meeting each other. And constantly saying, no, you the dopest, you the dopest. How dope are you? Like, look at what you're doing. Look at what you're making. Because it all aids, I mean, the fundamental work um, that we are all after. And so I was able to reconnect with a lot of folks. Um, Ill, I got a shout out, Invincible for sure. Um, Shay, uh, I was, you know, just so affected by being able to come back. So Yes, I appreciated the conference, but most importantly and always, you know, it was like the community we made. That's a, let me tell you what my, my favorite part is. Yeah. Well, it, I had so many favorite parts, first of all. <laughs> but the one, the thing that's always going to be like on my heart. Yeah. And I'm a crier, so it did make me cry. Okay. Was when you contacted me I don't know it was maybe a couple of days or so, something after and you <laughs> and you were and you told me how yep that so we had brought Rhapsody yep oh and yeah you, and you yeah. told me how you and your daughter yep were able to attend the con the the concert together 
yep. and how you appreciated being able to go to a concert with yep. your daughter and you felt safe and you felt like good and y'all got to hang together like that for me was like oh that's what this is about and and that y'all both liked Rhapsody and right. Rhapsody brought them on the stage she did and shout out Mahogany too because I still have these photos on my Instagram that night was transformative like it was yeah it was I mean it shifted so many things generationally and like again, because time is not linear. I just remember all the dope concerts. Can I tell you all the dope concerts I enjoyed in Detroit, first of all. So then it's like for my, for my daughter to have uh, a dope concert experience and it'd be Rhapsody and they get on stage, the mic is passed. Like, I'm so glad that she came up through that hip hop, not, not the, not the soon to be app. <laughs> you know, um, version of hip hop. Oh my goodness. But Mahogany and and Rhapsody, um, you know, saw them. And I love that because that's so much of how Soul Hot works. Um, I'm reminded of Nikki Finney, you know, who is a poet and it's like, you know, we, we aim to be candlelight in a spotlight era. Like, you know, folks who refuse that spotlight, um, for the love of all black people, for the love of black women and girls. Like that's what that concert was. And so I'm always in awe. Like we supposed to be, you know, we came, they refused that kind of celebrity. That's like, I'm the one, you know, which meant they automatically just stay black with it. Like, no, we, it's all of us. It's us all is you too. You know, you with my daughter, who's like, here's the mic and what you got to say. Um, I mean, to me, that's what I know hip hop to be. That's the very best of soul. That's black, you know, liberation. Um, and and you know, Rhapsody post. So your daughter did. wrote her a note, <laughs> and yes, Rhapsody posted the note that your daughter wrote her on her. She Instagram. did. She did. Yeah, that's what's so that is what's on our website. We're like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this and is. And that's movement. That is how it resounds. That's what I mean. Like, and what, like what memory, what that is going to mean for my daughter, you know, I don't know. And that to me is the most exciting part, but I trust she gonna tell me cause her throat chakra has always been very clear as it was that night of the concert. Okay. As it will be, um, but that gave her something to move on, to move with, to remember. Because I think it, I think that's how change works. It's quantum like that, you know. Can you um, speak a bit more about, you were talking about your process. Can you speak a bit more about um, your process to how you were writing? Uh, that first book, Black Girlhood Celebration? I'll say like, well, I guess it, it would be different. Maybe let, tell us about the second book. Yeah, it's different. My process, I mean, let, that's what I like. Don't, I was a mom. I was a mom with a one-year-old during Black Girlhood Celebration. I had no fancy rituals. I had, look, I had when she went to sleep, that was when <laughs> my house was quiet. And I just, you know, that's when I could get it done. Um, and then here I choose the second book. Um, that process was different. Um because that book had more weight on it. So the first book was again, The Labor of Love. And, you know, I actually um, got some pushback from that book uh, professionally (laughs) 
because it was like, oh, what press is it on? And who told you you can bring in the personal? And, you know, why'd you write it like that? And, you know, you're going up for tenure and, and they have this uh, in the academy, this thing known as, you know, you got to have the book that gets you tenure. And um, how'd you write that book so fast? And, you know, whatever. And so the second book had a lot more of, of, of that energy into it um, because by that time I, yeah, I had been a professor for what, seven years. And so, you know, you incorporate people's feedback. It is received uh, and not all the, the reception uh, motivates some. And I feel like in the second book, you can, um, it's, a, it's a more traditional text format um, I made some choices with that book. Still very important. I was theorizing some of the ideas that um, we learned by doing Soul Hot after I think about that point, probably like seven years. Um, and so I wanted to make a case for the creative potential of what we were doing because I think that's so often missed. A lot of folks uh, really get into the critique of things, but soul hot is a creative energy. We are making, um, you know, you, when you in conversation with black girls, like I've been like the, you know, we've made stuff that you don't even have a name for. <laughs> like, and I mean, you, I mean, academics, I mean, theorists, I mean, people just haven't seen it yet, or they haven't uh, recognized it yet. And so that's what that book was getting to. Like y'all can't even, you know, begin to sort of understand unless you really sit with the people who've been sitting with black girls um and listening to what we have made artistically sonically we were making music a long time in so hot and again it's like let's let's listen for between the lyrics let's listen to what what they are saying how they are feeling and so much of that is what here our truth is about i still love the book um but it, it's quite different than the first one can you talk to us about that a little bit because that i feel is such an important uh topic like when i like doing social justice mm -hmm. i am at tables with a lot of academics mm -hmm. and they're very serious academics they're very serious about black liberation yeah. Can you talk about the, I guess, the life, if you will, of being <laughs> an academic, but also being of the culture? Uh, so let's see. I only, I can only know, I can only tell you how I've done it. Um, and for me, I went to grad school. I always knew I wanted to go to grad school. Uh, again, a lot of that for me, I think, is really in, in my family being in the position where I could. And it's, it's, it was it's still, it was a, such a, a new kind of different experience that I knew I was going for more than myself um, and that it was important. And so when I got the BA, you know, the family was proud and it was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I got to grad school and I had a hard time. And my dad was like, you know what? You can come home like, no, that don't sound cool at all. <laughs> and so he was like, you know, you got the first degree for us and, you know, whatever you do after that, that's for you because we don't need all that. <laughs> and so it was an opportunity, a good moment for me to be like, you know, do I, do I really want this? Um, 
enough of carrying, you know, as as honor as honorable as it was, the PhD required um, something different, and it would have to be like out of me uh, to do it. And so I stayed, and then I got a, a postdoc year uh, right after I got the PhD, and the postdoc year was critical. It was a postdoc in Black Studies. Um, I was able to return to the University of Illinois where I went to undergrad, which was significant to me at the time. But as a postdoc, I was like, okay, you know, I got to unlearn some of the stuff I picked up because it wasn't always healthy and it was not in service um, to what I wanted to do. And I took that postdoc year to really unlearn a lot of what it meant to be academic to a lot of people outside of myself. And I dropped it and I said, if I'm going to stay in the academy, like I was thinking Nina Simone, my way, like my way and my way is going to be through Black Girlhood Celebration. It was going to be in community. I'm making it. I'm writing it as I'm making it. Um, All of my questions that I tend to pursue in my writing come through soul hot. Like, what are we grappling with? What's important to us? Um, What do we know? What do we want to say? And that's how I know how to be in the academy. Um, That's what I did. And I always heard my dad, though, you know, that was a kind of freedom because even as I was doing it, I could hear his voice. You know, he's like, you can always come home. And thankfully I am from that kind of place, from that kind of family I mentioned earlier where I knew that was true and I was going to be all right. Um, But, you know, it was like, what is my walk of being a professor going to look like? Um, And for me, that meant, yeah, doing this collective work, um, keeping who I am close, you know, to me and and wanted to explore those things um, to the ends of it with people who, you know, are real like yourself, who are in community. Um, Asha also mentioned too, when I was in Detroit, I was doing some Detroit summer work and working with Grace Lee Boggs. I mean, that don't leave you ever. And so I... Everybody who does so hot knows Grace Lee Boggs and they know Detroit Summer because I wouldn't have thought something like so hot was possible if it weren't for my experience doing Detroit Summer. So there's so many things um, and I was just doing it, just doing it, not without some struggle, of course, but just completely committed. And you know that when you work with young people, whatever courage, perhaps maybe you were lacking, they give it to you. That's what I'm saying, how the movement travels is quantum. And so, you know, uh, I started reconnecting with folks just maybe when I was like, oh, maybe, I don't know. Here comes a word from a good word from from ill. Um, here comes a good word. You know, I got seventh graders now seeing me at the mire, like when it's so hot, it's so hot. And then it's like, I got that. But that was motivation that kept me going. And, you know, that's that's why I'm here today. So. Well, I got a couple more questions before I turn it over to the crew. Um, So two things you said. One, I want to know, talk to us about how you got your PhD. And what I mean by that is I have a cousin. Mm -hmm. It took him 15 years to get his PhD. Mm -hmm. His PhD, he did um, what his um, thesis that he wrote, which is a book was about the connection between apartheid and 
in, in South Africa and what African-Americans here face. And he mm-hmm. traveled to South Africa, lived there to like do research and yada, yada, yada. He got married, had a family. Mm-hmm. And so getting a PhD is more than a notion. So I want, and you know, a lot of people are working on their PhD. A lot of mm. people are struggling. A lot of people trying to get through it. I, I want to understand, you know, how you were able to get through it and to get your PhD. That's my first question. Then the other question I want to ask is tell is to ask you to tell us a bit more about your um, Detroit summer experience. Oh my goodness, how I got through it. That's a, so, so many things got me through the doctoral program. I'm like always, you know, my homegirls for sure. Keep some homegirls. <laughs> Uh, because we, we, we got each other through it. Uh, I got a shout out too. I mean, I'm so glad it was like the, I literally tried to get out of my doctoral program the first year, but oh goodness, like your question, like things make sense sometimes 15 years later. Uh, so don't, don't worry it to make sense. Now, as long as you knew you, you staying true to what's yours and telling the story, that's yours to tell because I got to say that, you know, I was like, man, I was having a real tough time in my classes because, you know, it was like, I wasn't reading what I wanted to read. The people was, I, I, it was, it was bad. And I got, I saw this flyer saying, you know, do you want to be in this play? It's a black play called the blackness blues. And now I had always done theater. I mean, I was always interested in political poetry, um, Black arts movement, that was my thing. I, that's how I came to sort of value a lot of the ideas that I still continue to study is through black poets, black artists, black playwrights. And so I said, you know, I've been doing theater, always did theater. Yes, I wanna try out for this play called The Blackness Blues. Can I tell you who that play, playwright was? Who? <laughs> Dominique Morisot. So oh, wow. Dominique was an undergrad when I was in grad school. Piper, this is me. And I show up like to this undergrad's audition. And, you know, if you're in a doctoral program, it's supposed to be this hierarchy or whatever. Whatever. It matters not. I was trying to save my life, you know, because it was so horrible. And Dominique puts on this audition and I watched her then. OK, then at that time. It was like over a hundred people showed up for this audition. I think it was like three characters was the original script. <laughs> That's when I learned about cast tech and Renaissance. Cause there was like all Detroit undergrad um, U of M. And I was just sitting here. And so then she posts the cast list and I was like, she's amazing. I want to be a part of this. But the play had like three roles. She puts up the cast list. Okay. Now she has rewritten the play. It is now like 30 people in this thing. She assigns me the role of voiceover or something. I was like, anything to be in this with you. Like, watched her work then. Being in that cast, being in the shows and the subsequent, I mean, Dominique Morceau saved my life. Like, I have told her that before. She knows that. She absolutely got me through my doctoral program. Um. And so it was like experiences like that, where after you come face to face with a particular kind of creative power is no, you know, you, it just emboldens you to keep going in whatever, you know, your, your own walk is. And so that's one of the 
it's one of my top experiences of my doctoral program, um, along with you doing work in Detroit summer. So like, how could I not, you know, I'm like interested in political organizing. I'm learning the theories in my political science class. I've always, for me, poli sci was always the thing because I'm always just fascinated by how power works and not not the power, traditional power, but like, yeah, the power we make when me and you link, the power we make when I, you know, when you organizing my daughter and she's doing graffiti as my other kid, like interested in that kind of power. And I I don't know, I believe they must've came and did a presentation at the university, some, some aspect of Detroit summer, but Anyway, I went out and it was the bike shop back then and it was the potlucks with Shay. And I believe that's where I met Il the first time. And it was literally like, you know, we were, um, it was other folks. It was real informal, but it was like that philosophical work that you could do. Like that's the kind of, that's what got me excited. That was the real teaching and learning like that I was after. And it was in that space. And it was like, to me, when I think back on it and I remember it was like lessons on how to make a revolution. That's why when I started Soul Hot, that's what I was pitching to people. Because after doing Detroit Summer, I knew it was possible. And it's like, guess what? You know, you need maybe some likely or unlikely materials. You need some bikes as a reason to get together. You need some food that we can all contribute to. And you need some, um, some serious study. Uh, with some of the dopest, realest people ever. Uh, and that's that's what I remember about it, as well as learning um, the city a little bit. One more shout out to the city of Detroit, uh, because my aunt uncle lived to Detroit. So when I said they migrated from Kentucky, right? And I said, my, and they moved, they came to Detroit. Uh, now they were the only ones out of the Cary uh, family that came to Detroit. Um, but they came to work, um, you know, car factory stuff, automobile factory stuff. That was my aunt Dottie and uncle Jack, and they never had any biological children of their own. Um, but I grew up, um, going to the block parties, uh, coming to their house for family reunions over the summer. And in grad school, it took me, I was out here for three years struggling. And I was like, my my mom was like, you, did you go see Aunt Dottie yet? And you know, the the academy try to separate you from people who love you in some weird, strange ways, or you think you got to do that to become whoever, whatever. It's like, nope, nope, nope. And so after three years, it was like, no matter how much reading I had to do that weekend, I'm going to see Aunt Dottie and Uncle Jack. And I mean, of course, it was like, uh, they took me to Hartford Memorial. <laughs> That's the church they belong to. I mean, they had. Pastor I grew up Ad- in that church. Pastor Adams, Charles That's, Adams. Isn't he look, amazing? Look, I, all I can tell you is when you ask me how I got through, I know Hartford Memorial prayed over your girl. And I, know, <laughs> <laughs> I know that the whole entire congregation. I know my Aunt Dottie had the block on top of it. <laughs> so by the time I left for my weekend visit, she like, all right. So, you know. That's you so good. cool. I'm good. I am good. I am great. I am well loved. Mm. You know, yeah, that, yeah, that's awesome. Like I, I, um, that, that church definitely gave me a, a view of what black church was like, man, Dr. Charles Adams was special is special because like his balance of academia and the study of the Bible and how he like 
balances the two with his message is just unreal you know so that's cool you got to experience that like I think that's super awesome I sure did and they they are part of my story in terms of how I got through my doctoral program absolutely that's awesome wow well I don't know I'll let so Brittany do you have some questions for uh, Dr. Brown yeah um I hope it's not um too personal but I mean I think it's super cool that you've experienced like both sides of the college experience so um with your work now and even before like now just the could you kind of detail to us like what it was like for you to be on the other side and like you know my mom taught high school and she taught British literature and African-American um world studies but I only saw that from like a high school level like can you kind of detail to us what it's like to be like on this other side uh and being on a college campus and like what some of those advantages are for you personally yeah and um please let me know if this is the direction you wanted me to go in but this is my first position as an administrator and I gotta tell you like um it's it's very exciting to be able to be in a position now where I'm sitting at the table with (laughs) again just some really dope amazing women uh Dr. Lomax who was founder of the Feminist Wire Christy Dotson and we are literally like April Baker Bell dreaming the curriculum you know together and it's You know, if you remember, like being on the other side, like I didn't like that. You know, these are the courses I didn't want to take to now being in the position where it was where it's like I get to dream in conversation with other amazing folks, like what the curriculum will be. Um, It's amazing. It's a dream. I'm so glad to be here. Um, And I think about all the great and the best teachers that I've had. And like, let's build from that place. Let's pour from these commitments. Let's think about the scholars who inspired us. Let's create a new, we don't have to do it the same old way. And, you know, because of who we are individually and together, we insist that we don't (laughs) do it in the ways that are harmful. I mean, at least that's not the intention. And so it's like, let's grow this thing. And that just, I mean, I'm so glad to be here right now with, Uh, the folks that I'm working with that's for sure that's awesome Mm -hmm. and my only other question for you is is um what are your your thoughts on the current state of women in hip-hop uh so (laughs) uh yin and yang yin and yang to be fair I mean I can only like I just have to be you know those questions can be hard because it's it can be a general, you know, sweep, but I can tell you about, I'm, I'm listening to still nineties hip hop. Like if I had to be honest, I'm not listening to much hip hop these days. Um, I'm listening to a lot of, uh, who's in my, look, I'm listening to CD. So that already tells you something. That's awesome. That's cool. (laughs) I'm still like, I play vinyl daily, mm. which still tells you something right there. Um, so like, I'm not streaming music. It's a concept that is, I'm mm. not totally like comfortable listening to music 
like that if if it's I'm so cool. um and so that influences then who I'm uh, I am listening to uh I I do I'm still on social media and so I I do Instagram which is you know so I'm I'm following Cardi B's Instagram um how's that going <laughs> that's always entertaining love I, <laughs> I love uh I love I love the post with um culture her daughter I love isn't she Mr. cute yeah so like that I know like that and then also uh one of my former students Cecily Bowen um has a new podcast out called Purse First I think it is okay and she just did an interview with baby mother who I also I mean oh my goodness baby that's mother. fire I love her. <laughs> now my other friend Jill turned me on to baby uh baby mother's music um but that mm-hmm. was the first conversation I heard with her and I so appreciate I so appreciate everything amazing. she brings to hip-hop yes um, and then if I if I have to think about like who do I listen the artists I listen to the most um consistently uh, it would be no name like I love, oh yeah I mean no name is a genius. shout out to Chicago right all right yeah like I'm room 33 look um all that man. telephone rainforest <laughs> just came out I, I, so oh, I I you know it's like you know I think I think we you know I that's what I enjoy that's what I can say it's a it's a huge diversity right if I'm escaping your question probably but I guess I also too I listen I also gotta say too shout out um yeah mother nature bars with Mm. a z I mean those are those are part of the tribe as Piper said Mm. so it's like you know I um my dear hearts who are growing me who I'm learning from I was their professor and I'm learning from them uh like their their music I'm still listening to their music and they have dropped like four or five projects and I'm still in love with the first things that I've ever heard from them so that's Mm -hmm. that's that's how I enjoy hip-hop I gotta tell you like my daughter right I mean she was like I think she likes in young nba is that a rapper young yeah <laughs> it is young okay, nba so boy like i'm saying i don't i'm not up on on the latest necessarily um to speak on the entire state but i can tell you that no name is genius i can tell you i love baby mother baby mother is genius and i can certainly appreciate cardi nice yeah i mean i feel as if uh, we talk about um we talk about hip-hop a lot but we also talk about like the use of technology a lot like you hear gyro mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. and it's really kind of like cool and like humbling to hear you say like how you are listening to music and that you recognize it it's intentional that you're listening yeah. to cds you're not streaming and you're really enjoying vinyl still like yeah. i think all of it is needed like i feel like you in order for you to study music and to appreciate music, you have to understand the way that it was delivered in that certain time frame. Like I just think mm-hmm. it connects you with it. So I think that's super dope. And like, yeah, like um, I feel the same way in a lot of ways. Like I feel like there's a lot of women in hip hop right now mm-hmm. and it's super diverse. Like I listen to everything, you know, um, I don't, you know, I, I always say like someone's lying, you know, because not every woman can have the best like bad, vagina like someone in (laughs) hip-hop has to be lying like so the point I'm getting at is is I would uh, some of my favorite you know MCs 
you know, if I just envision them talking about other things, but I don't hold that against them because that's not what they want to do. But Mm -hmm. I, when I want to hear that, yes, I love no name. Like I feel like she is a true Chicagoan. She puts the studying that she does into her music, but she does it in a very unique way. She infuses jazz. She infuses so much, you know, so yeah, I love it all. So I think, I thank you for your answer, if anything. Oh, I thank you. I thank you. You want to put me on the somebody? I love a good recommendation. Uh, Chelsea Reject. She's from Brooklyn. Okay. Um, she hasn't put released a project probably since like 2015. Okay. But I promise you it's timeless. Like you, you okay. won't even think about like when yep. she made it. Like it's she's so dope. Like she has two tapes. So bo- I like both of them. Okay. Thank you. We'll take a listen. And Brittany, you got something coming or no? Yeah, when you start singing in uh, Deja, <laughs> got to be for us. Yeah. <laughs> Brittany is a, a writer and an and a MC. No, I'm not. I'm Issa Rae. Y'all know how Issa Rae be like rapping in the mirror? Yes. That's, that's all as far Issa as Rae? I, yes. <laughs> you literally recited a rap song for me. What are you talking about? <laughs> Brittany. Brittany. She's holding back, y'all. She is holding back. I believe that's Piper holding back. Piper taking single lessons. She holding us up. No, no, friend, don't detract. (laughs) Y'all trying to call me out. (laughs) Nah, Brittany trying to deflect. Till (laughs) Daisy. But yeah, Dr. Roof, it's super cool having somebody on that can talk hip hop. Like we love okay, hip hop so much. You might be my favorite rapper. Let me find out. Yeah, you silly. <laughs> you silly. But yeah. Well, um, Brittany did um curate our uh the 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 mixtape we do, and we gotta get something from you for the mixtape, Dr. Roof. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, I don't know, Deja, did you have any questions? No, I've I've been really enjoying this interview. I don't have any questions. I just wanted to thank you for your work. I grew up in Ann Arbor Public Schools. And like you, Piper, I just didn't, you know, feel comfortable in my Black skin there because just certain things that are normal to us, they don't understand and they can't comprehend either. So I'm really looking forward to reading this book and feeling seen the way Piper did. So thank you oh, for yeah. this. I, I'm humbled mm-hmm. and I really appreciate your existence. Thank you for staying true to yourself as well. Thank oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And you do, Luke's. I mean, shout out the Soul Hot. So our band is We Levitate and a DJ is um, Blair Smith and We Levitate. Um, we got four DJs, four band people, four writers, four songwriters. But um, her artist name is Loving Loops, and she does loops. And when you talked about your uh, project up front, I was thinking about putting you guys in conversation and connection. Oh, yes, I love that. <laughs> I would love that. I would love to work with more women because men just do too much. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Can you share with us? Because, um, I mean, this is something that I'm working through. Like, what is the, how how do you see the band and everything working, like, you know, during this COVID or COVID period? I was just talking to Jessica Robinson. She's in the band, too. And we just got off the phone Friday night. And, you know, it's, it's been tough. Like, especially when you studio with folks, it's such a 
intimate experience. And then, uh, let's see, uh, one of us is in Chicago, two of us are in Champaign, and then I moved here. And again, I just told you like my preferred method of listening. So um, the tech just has a different kind of feel to it. And it's hard, it's really hard. We have not made music together since the pandemic. I mean, a lot has, I mean, I've been deep in my grief um, as well. A lot has happened, um, many reasons why we haven't, um, but it doesn't, um, it, it, it's, it's hard to do and it doesn't quite fit the way it used to. I mean, I trust us to, to find a way, but we have not yet found it, to be honest. Yeah, I'm in that same thing because, um, you know, we have the all-woman band, but um, our band has gone through so many iterations, uh. and uh, initially it was like, you know, like a band, but then after that, it was more like, okay, we got this kind of core, and then who can we get to play this instrument or that instrument if this person isn't available, Mm-hmm. and then we haven't done anything like truth be told the like it feels like and I feel like the, so a year ago we had our annual women in hip-hop showcase yeah mm-hmm. right Charles H. Wright and so yep. all women band and different MCs and musicians go over it right mm-hmm. and so literally a year ago I remember being on the stage and it was so beautiful the performance it was just amazing and I remember saying this is so beautiful it feels like like the world is gonna end tomorrow and literally wow COVID was like the next day (laughs) because I was like it was one of those moments when it was like you know, oh, as a black person, you'd be afraid to be too happy. <laughs> you like, it could all end. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm screaming at being afraid to be too happy. It was, it was, it was that feeling. Wow. I had that feeling. I was like, I was like, everything is so perfect. Everything is so good. This is so, this is so great. I was like, it feels like the world might end tomorrow. And literally it was COVID the next day. And I was like, why did I say that? <laughs> wow. Piper, you know how powerful you are. You know you speak it. There it is. There it goes. Oh, I was like, wow. So we haven't we haven't done anything like during the uh, pandemic. However, mm-hmm. about uh, in January, I contacted our drummer. Okay. And so I've been working on music with her, meaning uh, supporting her to do her music yeah exactly so instead of us doing the band because that's it's just difficult for everyone uh yeah Yeah. she's just been uh creating music and then we've been in the studio get trying to help her get that music out of her Mm. and so right now she has one song and um but but we've got like some some kind of stems to make six songs yes and so um we recorded enough to do to do six songs but 
she's completed one song and so we're going to start with that one song and then we'll probably like work on each song like one per month but our process is um we do have an office and a music studio and rehearsal space inside of Submerge, which is uh, the Techno Museum. Okay. And so uh, we have access to that. So we've been recording there and rehearsals start on Tuesday. So what I'm going to do is at the end of the month, next month, well, March, um, we're going to do a showcase. And instead of a two-hour showcase with the band, uh-huh. he's going to do about 25 minutes nice yeah initially i wanted her to do it like by herself mm. but she found some musicians to do some different things and uh basically everybody made the music like separately you know because of yes. right yep and but and then one of the musicians can't come into the country too much because you know they're in canada and it's a it's a whole thing trying to come in and out the country yeah and so, but, um, but the music sounds great. And so what we'll do is um, she's got two musicians that she's going to um, perform live with, but live means like we'll record it. Yes. And then we'll stream it. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. we're just, we just trying to figure out how to do things socially distance. I mean, part of the risk too is like, I mean, even with this podcast, like normally we do this podcast in an actual physical studio that is Detroit is different. Okay. Um, you know, we haven't been doing it just to like stay safe and keep everybody safe. Mm. Um, just because, you know, trying to be mindful about contact. Absolutely. You know, and so yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. Like uh just trying to think about how to do projects together, trying to think about how we're going to do, how do we do shows? You know, how like we don't even have a plan for that yet. We still trying to figure out what is going on. I trust you to figure it out. <laughs> I, know you will. I know you will. And I think, you know, the thing about it is I can say we're not making music, but we still making music. It's just, a, it's not the same anymore. I mean, as you was telling the story, I was thinking about, right, we probably each write separately lyrics, but certainly like this time, everything that has happened, like my sound has completely changed. Like, I know this, I was in conversation with Blair, I was putting together, I mean, yeah. And I, uh, even like the, the sound of my voice, I say grief can change the shape of your face. It can change the, the sound of your voice. Um, and so I'm also getting to know like what this this sound is. And and again, the music I'm listening to has completely changed. Um, so what I have to pull from when we do get back together, you know, we who knows? I don't know what the sound is gonna be after this for, for us, the collective sound for your band, for my band, you know, but I, I think it's some some new and old vibes going on that is gonna make for music that we need to continue uh healing and growing and living and being yeah hopefully we could do stuff together whatever that no i want to all of us on the track right now (laughs) yes yeah yeah i absolutely cannot wait piper um to to be you know in like organizing community with you making some stuff together 
creatively, community wise. Uh, this is just okay, well, we, we, y'all could really y'all could put on a festival like once this COVID stuff clears out, like a real cool festival, and it could it could be where y'all bands are headlining, and it's just that could be crazy. Okay, all right, we speaking a lot of stuff into it. Right, <laughs> come on, Brittany, with the ideas. Yes, with the vision. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then, yeah, I mean, why not, Piper? Yeah, I mean, I'm with it. I mean, and I'm just so excited about, you know, I'm, I'm also excited about the work that you're doing here in Michigan. Like, that yes. Michigan, the, the Michigan State young folks get a chance to experience, you know, this this new vision for how their culture is going to be Radically shifted. Radically shifted. The new department of AAAS is here. Uh, Dr. Tamora Lomax is amazing. We just met, you know, this year under such high stakes. Can you imagine like dreaming with someone? Of course I knew her work, but this was like our first real conversation now with colleagues and we had this really important work together. And the more we talk, I mean, it is just meant to be. Uh, the the folks in the college have received us well. Everyone is aware of the significance of an African-American African studies department at this time, where we are. And we take that with full responsibility. And again, we bring in all the commitments that we've already shown and proven to the table. And in conversation, you know, with folks who are here. So I've, in my short time, I've had uh, amazing conversations with uh, some dope students and they hear, they so ready. And then once they, you know, get a glimpse of it, like they, they gonna breathe the life into it that's needed. And we building something that is, you know, certainly uh, gonna outlast this moment. We making something that is desperately needed now and will again, you know, be around for, for generations. So I'm excited um, to be at MSU and wow. build the new department. Um, if you are somehow affiliated with MSU, uh, please check out our website. That is where all of the changes, um, we announced them first, everything we have going on, speaking of music, we each did our sonic introductions and I wouldn't even have been able to conceptualize that project if it weren't for being in We Levitate. Um, so that's really important. But yeah, come see about us in AAAS at MSU. We doing big things. Say, can you say out what the AAA is again? AAAS. So we are the Department of African American and African Studies, and our website is aaas.msu.edu. Thank you for that. Oh, and give us all your socials. I'm not really on, uh, let's see, <laughs> we are, yeah, we will be hiring soon to create socials for the new department. Nice. Uh, yes. So um, that is to come um, because all of that has to be created and we're really excited. That's, this is like, you hear it here first on the podcast, even before it comes out um, on our socials right now, we're really using that website. And then you can catch um, the work of Soul Hot um, on Instagram is pretty much the platform that we use the most. And that's S-O-L-H-O-T, We Levitate. 
W-E-L-E-D-I-T-A-T-E on Instagram. We also have a soulhot.com website. That's so awesome. So wait, Dr. Ruth. Yes. Are you guys, as far as the curriculum goes, like, are you guys, what all are you guys infusing inside the curriculum? What are you, have you come up with, or can you not talk about that right now? It's currently moving through faculty governance. Uh, okay. All right. I got you. I, got I don't, you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's exciting. What I can tell you is that, you know, we, uh, of course, will stay true to the things that have always been a part of AAAS, um, which is, you know, thinking diasporically, thinking transnationally, uh, we know Black folks everywhere. We mm. are giving attention to uh, creative expression, communities and action, um, and then Black cultures and institutions. Um, in terms of the work I do with um, Black girlhood, that is um, in the curriculum, you will see that. And then our graduate uh, program is organized around three themes, and that is uh, Black girlhood studies, Black speculative ecologies, and Black cultures and institutions. Wow, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we talk about this all the time. We we gotta have curriculums. We gotta be the ones that are creating curriculums. And mm-hmm. you know, you um, this is the perfect way to end Black History Month tonight. I wish I had a little champagne. That's so dope that you yeah. write in curriculums, sis. That's so dope. Curriculum, histories, futures, beyond, ancient, fast mm. forward. I mean, all of that. And it's also the co-curricular because Mm. it's just like the first iteration. And, you know, that's the hip hop thing to do, which is to remix it. And Mm. I I trust folks that, you know, they will receive well the first iteration of our offering. And then again, in community uh, with so many different kinds of communities will will grow all the curriculums needed for real learning and um, teaching to happen. That's the goal. Very dope. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. And okay, so I'm I'm like, first of all, gratitude, and I'm just I'm feeling so full right now. Like I'm just on cloud nine, um, and I'm just like I'm excited about all this work that y'all are doing. I I, I can already see. Yes. Um, how it's gonna be impacting people. So ooh, this is this I got goosebumps. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. And then also too, like um name your two books and where folks can purchase them. Um let's see, you can get Black Girlhood Celebration toward a hip hop feminist pedagogy direct from the peterlang.com. That's www.peterlang.com uh, or wherever you get, you know, used copies um, from. Uh, I encourage that. Uh, and then the second book is Here Are Truths, The Creative Potential of Black Girlhood. And you can get this book from the University of Illinois Press uh, website or wherever you like to buy your um, new or used copies. Wow, thank you for that. Yeah. Um... You know, I'm gonna be doing a a, a reading circle starting okay. um, this month, okay. and so we're gonna start with our book because we're trying yes. to these books. <laughs> yes, but, um, come on with the forward. 
yeah okay and so uh we're gonna do we're gonna do our book this month but um i definitely want to um do your book so i'm gonna see when we'll do how long it takes to do this book i'm thinking we'll do a month but if it takes longer you know i'm not sure um but i think i definitely want to do your book because the book is so powerful like i want to you know um do a a a circle around it just because it inspired me so much i think i think so many people can relate to it and so much stuff will make so much sense when people read this book trust me Uh like trust me (laughs) um yeah so and but i don't know if you want to leave us uh with any closing words well i believe one of the most uh, political radical acts you can do is you know say i love you out loud to another black woman and piper i love you so much i just want to Thank you for all of the work that you do with people all over the city. I appreciate your energy. I appreciate every good word you share on the social medias, through the podcast. I don't know how you do what you do, but I just ask that all those things that contribute to the influence and your, you know, outrageous, audacious, dope frequency just continue to to grow you and um, that, you know, your deepest heart's desires are, are met in only the ways that you can see them and most appreciate. I thank you for being who you are. And I certainly have enjoyed this conversation. I trust that this is just the beginning and that... <laughs> This is just the beginning. So thank you, Piper. I love you. Wow. Well, first of all, gratitude for all of that I received. And I can tell you went to Hartford. (laughs) (laughs) That was a strong prayer right there. Thank you. I received. I received. Was I praying? Okay. (laughs) No, you know, yeah, I was. No, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. And I just, I want to thank you, you know, and all of this brilliance that you bring and just gratitude for taking all of the, what you study yeah, and transforming it into, I'm going to say layman's terms mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that people like us can have access to it and can... Um, understand you know the concepts that you get a chance to dissect you know uh, some of that academic language would prevent some of us from being able to uh, <laughs> you know even be, being able to uh, think in, in this in these ways and so just thank you for that magic that you bring um, and and also you know just still and being a mother and just making that time to you know yeah. invest in these humans that are going to be you know transforming our world you know and all you do for all the young all the students that you've been doing things for like wherever they are in the world you know however they're presenting in the world and doing great things in the world like thank you for pouring into them and these next students that are coming through Mm -hmm. you know uh making their experience different at Michigan yes. State than it was for other students, you know? So just yes. thank you for all of that. And just this music that you continue to do that is experimental and fun. Yep. And you know, just what you share creatively. So just much gratitude to you. And I love you. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
So I don't know if, um, let's see, Jaira, you got any uh, words you want to leave us with? Um, I just want everyone to, you know, follow your dreams and follow your heart, but whichever it may be, uh, just make sure you follow it and try not to uh, deter yourself from people telling you otherwise. Ah, Shay. And what about you, um, Deja? You want to leave us with any words? I don't think I have any words. Just same as Jaira. Just everybody stay true to yourselves. Okay, that's powerful. And and, and affirmation. Mm-hmm. And um, what about you, Brittany? You want to leave us with anything? Um, nothing uh, too heavy. Just had a good time with you uh, guys tonight. It was nice meeting you, Dr. Ruth. Nice and uh, yes, and um, happy Women's Month and you guys have a good week. All right. Awesome. Well, this has been great. So once again, you want to uh, just give so much gratitude and love to uh, Dr. Ruth Nicole Brown, who, as you have heard on this podcast, is just a multidimensional, phenomenal woman, Black woman, mother. Uh, creator, musician, scholar, author, and just, you know, uh, activist. Oh man, so many things. Um, And just, just gratitude, 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 but check her out, get her books, please. Your life will change. Trust me. Um, And yeah, we look forward to seeing more great things from you. And This has been the Piper Carter podcast. We want to encourage you to keep listening. Please share, like, subscribe. You can follow us on our socials. If you go onto Instagram, we are pc.podcast as well as on Facebook and join us in conversation in our Facebook group, Piper Carter podcast. And you can also check us out on the detroitisdifferent.net website with all of the other great podcast. And this has been really fruitful for me. I feel really good. So we will see you next week. Her check was short. Her lights cut off. It's safe to say she's stressing. I took the day off for a moment just like this. Our pals were bound to cross. No coincidence. Together, too silent in love and a struggle. It's dark. We ain't solve it. We prisms in a bubble. But we the light producers. Yeah, we blackers from the future. True. Every word in this song's about you. I said it's hard to be a black girl I just wanna, I just wanna do my thing I just wanna change the game for you Said I wanna give this brain to you Let my thoughts speak, let your mind ooze, ooze And don't it feel good? My body remembers where I've been I carry my history and my walk Live my truths through dance Tell my story with each opening and closing of my thighs Voice my yearnings with my eyes So that an elongated glance Becomes a selective request That only those attentive Looking to join me Remember to like, share, subscribe And always listen on Stitcher Google Play, Apple Store And Spotify